0: All right, finally, we get to discuss uh, some of the nitty-gritty that you guys have been waiting for. So we will start with other than evolution. So we've discussed the challenge presented by design. Design is, again, a uh, a cooperation of many different uh, parts in order to produce a result that all of those pieces are necessary. So if all those pieces are necessary, uh, then the likelihood of them uh, spontaneously coming together into one, into one spot is very, very low. So depending on how complex the design is, uh, makes the likelihood lower and lower and lower. So we discussed before about how to get life going to begin with, which is a major problem. Um, we heard some really interesting ideas how that could have gotten started. But let's already begin with life. Life means reproduction, re- re- reproduction. And the reason why that's important is because it allows for evolution, right? Evolution solves the problem of design by allowing it to come about randomly through gradual buildup of complexity. Okay. That was the, that's the awesome Hiddish uh, that uh, Darwin and others came up with. is You can have something really complex, but maybe it came about through a gradual buildup of that complexity. And then that gradual buildup can be random because really small changes can be random. That's, that's fine. Okay, so the condition for evolution is defined by Darwin himself. And I quote, if it could be demonstrated that any complex organ existed which could not possibly have been formed by numerous successive slight modifications, my theory would absolutely break down. Okay, so evolution requires successive slight Modifications. Now, we need to add one more caveat in there, which Darwin uh, sure understood and probably implied, is that these uh, successive slight modifications must be advantageous at every one of those stages. And the reason is because the way that the, the evolution is uh, supposed to work is that this gives you know, this new mutation gives this organism a slight advantage over other organisms. This mutation then is spread throughout the gene pool, and then waits for the next random mutation, which you know, it could take could take generations, right? And and uh, needs to uh, the, the likelihood that, that the same, you know, if it was just uh, inherited as a not, you know. Uh, one individual that had that mutation and it didn't spread throughout the population, the likelihood sort of seeing another successive mutation within that same um, sequence within that same individual is non existent. So you need that every time the, the change is advantageous, because advantageous spreads throughout the entire population, and then now it waits for the next step. And then that again will happen to one individual, but once it's advantageous, the individual will begin to out-compete uh, the other members of the species uh, for resources and production. And then again, that will spread throughout the gene pool. Okay? Does that, I mean, that's, uh, that clear? I
1: ask
0: caches, but C- wait a minute. on me or caches on them? Me right away.
1: Okay. Uh, the, the... Mutation doesn't necessarily need to be advantageous for it, for it to be passed on. The fact that it's advantageous helps it be passed
0: on. It doesn't have to be. I, that's, okay, I just addressed that. Let me try again. Yeah, We're not talking about for it to be passed on. We're talking about for it to be spread throughout the gene pool.
1: Meaning if, if some, by some event most of the members of the gene pool that don't have that mutation die. Some kind of
0: unrelated event to Okay, some sort of a crazy uh, coincidence, sure. But, but, but if you're talking about, if we need to get a thousand or tens of thousands of uh, different changes to be happening, right, to develop any organ, to develop uh, whole systems, etc., you need huge, huge strings of changes. So, yeah, I mean maybe by some crazy luck, like you're saying, there was one mutation and actually wasn't advantageous at all. But through you know, really great coincidence, this particular organism, you know, happened to outcompete everybody else for some other reason, and it spread. Okay, that's like a one-time thing. We're looking for a system that will allow you to create complex systems, complex structures. So that's why evolution assumes. Numerous successive slight modifications. I mean, the... The result uh, ma- is he, the modification, meaning improvements. Okay? In order that each one of them spreads to other population, And then now the whole population is primed to receive the next uh, quote-unquote improvement. And so each individual species is a different branch of successful modification from the original source? Sure. Okay. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So so again. So w- now, w- when when Darwin says um, slight modifications, what does he mean by slight modifications? Means what he means to say is again, slight is a, is to say um, something that would be reasonable that you could come about through a random. Mutation. So if I if I, I want to say, oh well, there was there was a a random mutation and you know five different things all happened and the and all of those work together to produce uh, a, a certain um, ability that's extremely unlikely, right? So slight, you know, usually would mean like the smallest step like whatever that would be or maybe maybe you could push your luck uh again you know like what your meow was trying to do push your luck and say okay maybe it could be you know two of them or whatever it is you know at the same time a coincidence of two together but it has to be something small enough that the the probability still would would make it likely okay the question is and here is the biggest thing that people don't understand it all depends on how big these steps are. Okay, So back then long long time ago before uh, electron microscopes were invented so Darwin describes life as being a microscopic lump of jelly like substance a little tiny jelly like substance that sometimes is if you read the whole article, sometimes it can kind of bend itself and move like little parts of it out to like grab something and so these little gel gel like things smaller than smaller than a nucleus and whatever, okay uh, that's because obviously he couldn't see into what's going on, okay so then if you, so if you're talking about really small changes so you say okay like a really, really small change this. Little thing just you know, changes a little bit, and you imagine like a, um, I don't know, getting a little bit more puffy you know, or getting a little bit smaller and narrower somewhere, or, or something like this a little tiny piece of jelly that, that it can kind of warp and move and do certain things. So these little tiny modifications can then build up to um, what happens. So, I mean, you're viewing that, let's say going from point A to point B as a slight modification. What happens if you turn on your electron microscope and all of a sudden you realize that actually there's like 10,000 steps in between them. What happens if you realize that there's the need for hundreds of proteins and for the gene code for all those proteins, et cetera, et cetera. you would need to be able to say, no, no, that's fine. I'm going to have to make my steps a thousand times smaller. And I'm going to have to say that each one of those steps also was advantageous. And here's where it gets really tricky. Because when you're, when you're thinking anatomically, and when you're thinking slight modifications, like developing like an extra you know, limb or something like this. Oh, you just got like this extra little finger and it was useful to grab onto things and then eventually kept getting longer and longer and, you know, became a claw or whatever, right? Then you you could do that, okay? Um, What happens when you start getting into code? Okay, So, so we have a budding computer programmer over here, right? So there's a very big difference, first of all, between... Um, discussing structural changes versus uh, versus computer code changes. I'll give you a very easy mushroom, an analogy. Right, if uh, if I'm doing some some work in my in my in my wood shop and I'm, uh, I'm I got the saw the circular saw is going and I got pieces of wood moving around and you know usually I'm trying to cut it straight and then one time you know, just my hand slips a little bit and it comes out. Instead of straight, the cut was round. Right? And like, oh, look at that. That's so useful. It actually works out very nicely. right? So small mistake structurally, if you're thinking about things structurally, small mistakes can, can be highly functional. And it just one little mistake can make, a, can make a new functionality. What if you're trying to program uh, information for a robot to make... To make a, you know, a straight cut, a straight cut on wood, right? And while you're typing, your fingers slip. Yeah. What's the likelihood that that's going to lead to the robot receiving information to make a round cut? Do you, do, you, do you understand where I'm going? Where I'm going with this? Means in code. Mistakes are just usually just dead wrong mistakes, right? In um, If we can now talk for practically for a second. So, the way the gene code works is, it, is it's read in triplets, right? So, just DNA, which, again, double helix was invented like uh, in the last hundred years, right? Discovered. discovered. Um, so, it's made of just long string of code letters, right? Now, there's no commas, there's no periods, there's no spaces. It's just straight. Okay, so how do you, how do you, how do does anyone know how to read those sentences? The answer is, based on, of course, on Loshan HaKodesh, is it's read in roots of three, right? So Every letter is based on a three-letter root, so it's read in triplets, okay? So now, what happens when you get a point mutation which means either a deletion of one of all, one of those nucleotides or an insertion of one nucleotide so if you're reading everything in triplets right if i take if I, if, I, if I take out a whiteboard and i'll and i'll write a sentence but i'm going to write it i'm not going to put any spaces you write a sentence you know my name is Arya you right and the only way you know how to read uh, i have to pick a sentence says. All three-letter words, okay. Uh, and then, if I erase one of those letters, okay, what happens is it's called a frame shift. Frame is how we read the words: we first three letters, then the next three letters, then the next three letters, right? If I delete the second letter, now I'm reading the entire gene off by one. By one nucleotide. Do you understand what that means? It means it's all gibberish. Can I get a showing of hands who understands what I'm talking about. Borough? Sorry. Okay. So it just means that
1: you don't have the threes to match up any longer. That's right. So
0: you you are um, (coughs) sad. sad. You are sad. Okay. So now if I take out the O from you, then now I'm going to read. Y-U-A as the first word and then R-E-S as the second word, right? which means the whole thing is gibberish, doesn't make any sense. Okay? Yeah. So that's, that's called point mutation. Point mutations are, are more or less always lethal. So that's number one. The most common type of mutation is basically always lethal. Okay? Either a deletion or a, or, or a insertion. It, if you're lucky and you just get a swap out, right, just one letter for another one, it doesn't really do anything because unlike in, again, in um, structural changes one little mistake can make a whole big difference, right? But in code for example, a functional gene is um, hundreds of base pairs long. OK, so it's like a long program explaining to the thing what to do. Right? So one little change. So you can make small changes. OK, but to write an entire gene, and this is an important distinction we have to make between microevolution and macroevolution. OK, so people talk about well, we do see that there are changes. We see changes, um, you yeah, know, whatever it is. The same animal living in different part of the world could get much bigger, or um, you know, scientists could show you um, flies that have like a thousand legs, all, you know, coming out from everywhere, or whatever, whatever it is. Uh, so that's all you're, you're not talking there. You're talking about upregulating or downregulating an already existing machinery, and okay, that's called microevolution. It's just a very simple form of adaption you, where the organism is not creating any new machinery just using the machinery you have you could either make a lot more of something or or you could uh, you know just upregulate that make, make that thing make that thing come out bigger a limb that would be bigger whatever right but when you t- when you understand that a new piece of machinery is extraordinarily complex what looked to Darwin to be this little tiny jelly-like thing that if you just if it just got a little bit fatter or if it just you know gets a little bit more smooshed up or whatever it is, then that's it, it'll be this thing. But answer is no, you need like fifty different types of proteins working together. They need to be coded in order for them to do this, and that's when you start getting the first time that when you start getting advantageous function. Remember, every step has to be advantageous. So you're, you have to accumulate all these mutations to code entirely new structures, of proteins. And those proteins then have to coalesce and work together because molecular biology is extremely irreducibly complex in molecular biology usually proteins are not proteins are not like really um, they can't do that many different things right so you need a whole bunch of different proteins all working together to really do anything like we most most proteins in like most functions in like the simplest cell takes like you know half a dozen to a dozen proteins working together to do a single thing you're saying Because they're not like hands, you can just grab something, right? so you need like one to wrap around this way, one to go this way, one to pull. You know, like the simplest pulley system is a combination of a whole bunch of proteins. So what we're saying is, Darwin was saying, listen, I just need this one little tiny change and I can find a gain of function. And then I'll just one more little tiny change and I find another gain of function. But when you understand that between one gain of function and another, functionality is extremely hard to come by. You need thousands of units of code, new code. And all that code to make a protein and you need many proteins working together to gain any functionality. I'm, I'm giving you a 15-minute synopsis of a really, really good book called Darwin's Black Box, uh, where he drills deep into, like, literally example after example after example on all these levels, and you know, and also he shows how the scientific community is aware of this. It's, it's, it's like, um, it's really, it's just a very outdated uh, theory. It's just not, it, it's not reasonable. It's totally not reasonable. It was reasonable a long time ago. When, when the world looked much simpler, then the, each incremental step could be, the, could be viewed as being simple, as, as being small. But when you understand that these are huge, thousand-move uh, sequences to get to the first gain of function, then you understand that that cannot happen through evolution. And you come back to what Darwin himself said, which is, Again, if it could be demonstrated any complex organ existed which could not possibly have been formed by numerous successive slight modifications, my theory would absolutely be in breakdown. That's um, basically what has happened. So again, just to summarize. Number one, we're saying when, when you zoom in and you realize that the small steps are so small that each one of them, in order for it to be uh, random, they have to be really tiny. It has to be on the level of code. And in order for that to happen, you're not going to get any advantages for a really long time. That's number one. Number two, we're saying that on, on the, uh, unlike in structural mistakes, you know, a guy working in a, in a wood shop could easily make a little mistake and come up with a whole brand new product but a computer programmer can't by accident type a wrong word and come up with a whole brand new computer program. Okay? Um, and uh, Remembering the difference between microevolution and macroevolution.
1: I'm sorry, but I think uh, um, like the way it can work is that uh, let's say in statistical physics there is like millions of particles which was each one uh, like microscopically, the behavior of every particle is entirely random. Mm-hmm. But as a whole, they, um, they are governed by certain basic laws of physics. And even though you can't say anything about um, any particular particle, the whole, for the whole system, you have a very particular, uh, like very particular functions which describe how physical characteristics of the system change with time. And so it's entirely possible to be like random microscopically. Uh, and not, not without having any control of uh, like whether the changes are tiny or huge, and at the same time uh, behave very uh, uh, deterministically as a whole. Um,
0: to create so. complex structures?
1: Yeah, sure, and very well organized. So uh,
0: okay, sure. not, not organized like a you know, crystal structure or something like this. But we're talking, we're talking about to write Um, hundreds of sequences of code that actually make functional structures.
1: And they can be entirely random, but if they are involved with our advisors on those, then... Wait, hold on a second. You
0: have to understand something. DNA is not like a... There's no nucleotide soup inside of a cell with just like a bunch of nucleotides floating around. They just get to like randomly assemble. DNA is copied, copied, right? And and the system works hard to maintain consistency in the copying. Meaning, otherwise, no organism could survive, you know, from one generation to the next. You understand? There's there's control, and so and so mutations are rare. It's not like you just have this like chaos system. That's what it sounds like to me. You're you're saying you're you're like you're like appealing to some sort of, of a it's like opposite. the
1: opposite. The mutations are just very rare and therefore Right. Um,
0: I think I think you're talking about like a like a like a chaos theory type of a thing where just like no, a lot like of like changes basic happening. Basic and... Basic what? No,
1: it's like basic probability The Behavior of like large
0: systems. Right, but here you have tremendous control
1: but what is the concept of random rent-
0: rent- That's when there's a break in the system. <coughs> um. Meaning, when the machinery which is copying the the DNA or the RNA malfunctions and puts in a wrong nucleotide. So why, the, why, why
1: is there any machine? What's that? I'm not sure about the premise
0: that there's
1: any machine for any particular DNA. What do you mean? The, the, the How is it copied? Um.
0: <laughs> okay. And okay. So again, if we come back, what? Random.
1: Random mutations mean there you know, like are lots of sort of uh, particles, and they
0: kind of each one behaves randomly, but as a whole. No, 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 no. Hold on. You're a mathematician, but just before we float off into math land, we're talking about inside of a living cell, yeah. which carries inside of itself. Let's forget about DNA. It's already a higher function. Let's just talk about RNA. Okay? The RNA is the code for what it is. And that code is very carefully preserved. Beca- any, any mistakes in it usually spell the death for this organism. And it needs to pass that along to its prodigy. That's the number one thing that it's trying to do. Okay? And we're talking about a periodic mistake where the machinery that's in place. To ensure a correct transmission of that RNA fails.
1: So, you're saying that basically in this case it's kind of the opposite of statistical physics. It's that every particle is actually behaving very like it's very hard for it to change it. Right. Um, but then, what's, what what does random mutation theory tell us? Uh, like what's, what's the idea then? Of, why of why, what? why think
0: it, if it's very hard to change the... Again, Darwin said, listen, it's very hard, very rare to have an change. but once one pops through, and one little change, and it's advantageous, then it'll spread throughout the genome of the of the population, and now again, you know, it'll just be kind of hanging out, the but... Be... Will
1: get
0: right and then now again they're, they're all multiplying thousands of times throughout the entire population pool and then you get another one that pops through that's also advantageous that builds on that previous one you understand but that's only if each one is advantageous by itself Maybe <laughs> but if any of them is not it will n- that that's it then then your no, thing you is not Again, you have to get function at every step. Because oh, if, if you don't we get. we know that they
1: multiply. What? If we know that the mutations multiply.
0: What does it mean they multiply?
1: Um, I think I assume this was the premise of uh, the theory, right? But once a mutation happens in a small.
0: Uh, it will spread. I mean, that mutation now will, will spread. Multiply. If it's advantageous. If, what is advantageous? The mutation. If having this mutation is advantageous to to the reproductive function of the organism. Meaning this organism can out-compete the other organisms for resources and for reproduction. That's how it spreads. Meaning it spreads because this organism is better equipped to have more offspring. So little by little he'll have 10 offspring and whereas others will only have four and then those will have 10 and then little by little you 10-20 know, generations later the entire population will carry this new trait. Understand? Okay.
1: But there are mutations that are disadvantageous, which still spread through a population. Examples: sickle cell anemia. It was uh, among the the African American population. It may have been at one point advantageous. (laughs) Malaria, malaria. But but it also killed
0: many people. Okay. So again, so that's I mean, so clearly, an evolutionist would tell you that it must have been more advantageous than less. And Tay-Sachs disease, for example. Okay. I mean. I don't think that the point here is to challenge the mechanism of what they're saying. Meaning, it it makes perfect sense that something that is advantageous will spread throughout the population, and something that is disadvantageous will be diminished in the gene pool over time. Right? Over time, we're talking about over time. We're talking about over time. So, but the the discussion that we're having is whether the creation of new Structures is possible through such a mechanism. Okay. Any question? Any other questions about the what's, what we're going to call Darwin's black box? Again, from far away, it looks like oh, look, you just go from an arm to a. You just put some some webs over there and then like you can kinda glide a little bit and then you just make wings out of it and you can like fly around, right? But when you understand that you're talking about so many steps in between and they all have to be advantageous, and the answer then then you understand that's not gonna happen.
1: Yeah. So just to clarify, it, um, you're saying there can be mutations and they can even be advantageous, it's just that it would be very unlikely um, that you would get enough of them that are like that sequentially that you would have new structures. So we're coming kind of right. back to the original problem. With the second lecture makes, you know, one of the previous lectures you said there's a theory that just relies on very unlikely things, and that's right. Not. Okay. That's right. Okay. But you're not because you so like the fact that we can maybe point at things that, like you're saying. Right. Well, so that th- th- that,
0: that's that's a micro that's a, that's that's a microevolutionary uh, mutation. That's just you're not in, being, in uh, creating any new function. You're just uh, uh, making the, the binding. I, have to, I forget exactly what what's happening over there. But the point is that the that the red blood cells don't bind the what is it iron as tightly or something like this, right? So it's, it's like a it's a malfunction of one protein, right? And that and that one small mutation, you know, had its advantage for malaria, right? But we're talking, but that's you already have a whole bunch of machinery. You already have the red blood cells and everything, and now you're just making it work a bit different. That's called microevolution, where you upregulate something, you downregulate something, you have a little bit more of them. They tight binder, they 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 bind more tightly, or they bind less tightly. Macroevolution is the coding of brand new structures.
1: You can't say that just like, meaning you have
0: this one thing, the sickle cell anemia, now you have a sickle cell, red blood cell, and that, there's some other pressure, external pressure, and that changes even further. And becomes a white blood cell. No, it's not a white blood cell. Develops a new functionality. I mean, not, not I mean, so I'm saying before. a new functionality connotes if you look at it from like far away, we well, just get a new functionality. That's how you know if you if you look at it from like but when away. you understand that a new functionality is the result of many new proteins that are just not there. Brand new proteins that are just not there. There's nothing like them. And when you understand that those proteins are the result of brand new genes that look completely different from other genes. It's not just that by accident we just rewrote the same gene twice and then like one little tiny change. It's a new gene. It's like a whole new computer program. I'm saying the mice, we say the cell changed. We can't, and there can't be some external pressure that makes change further to a point where it's no longer recognizable as the original thing that was. It could be. What you're saying is can't it be that there's going to be a thousand. Steps in between that each one of those steps is advantageous. And we see, we only see one step. So theoretically it could be. Okay. What I'm explaining to you is that the well, we, we see one. I'm saying well, we only see one. I don't want, no. <laughs> That's a micro-evolutionary change. With there's right, no right. new because there's no new structure coded. Okay? okay. So what we're talking about is if you need to code we look at the genome today, and there's a whole bunch of code, right? Coding. Tons of different structures, many genes that don't resemble one another, right? And they're all coding completely different structures. So you need to somehow create those long strings of nucleotides, and at, which would probably take, you know, hundreds of mutations. Now those hundreds of mutations will only happen over many, many, you know, thousands of generations. What's making the organism pass this pass us on and spread along during all these generations? That there's no advantage. There's no advantage yet. Okay, think about it uh, if you want. Again, I highly recommend the book uh, Darwin's Black Box. Um, I <clears throat> one one more thing. It's just uh, kind of um, you can look into it. It's hard for our human minds, puny human minds, to deal with really big numbers, but. Uh, but basically, the, the, the mathematicians have a really big problem with the, uh, what's called the Cambrian Explosion. Okay? So we, we tend to think of like, well, listen, you know, the universe has existed for 15 billion years, right? So like, that's a really long time to develop things, and maybe you could wait for like really, really lucky events like your meow was looking for, where we could have like stacking of, 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 of mutations, you know, we could can, can have three in a row you know just, just incredible luck yeah? and wait long enough wait a couple million years we could have like six in a row maybe right um but the but you understand like all the speciation that we see all the complexity more or less comes from what's called the Cambrian explosion which was 15 million years ago according to the scientists okay and within and like within this little tiny window not from 15 million years ago until today but within a very short period of time, you get literally just an expl as Kishuohu, like its name, the Cambrian explosion, nothing physically exploded, but it means that all of a sudden, all these species started popping out all over the place, okay? Now, how does a species means there's so much new machinery that introduced to this thing, from that thing, that there are two of them are not even the same thing anymore, okay? So that's a lot of change. It's, we need to say, however, whatever uh, you know compl- issues we had already, it's not that it's been a gradual process since the Earth cooled down three billion years ago or whatever it is. No, it's like it all happened within this little tiny window,, okay? really fast. so. Uh, because of that, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's really, really uh, problematic. Okay. Um, and then finally, um, as the many of world-famous um, archaeologists, just a line from Dr. Patterson of the British Museum, fossil transitional forms are, as of yet, absent. He's not making a joke. He's saying, we don't have any any record of fossil transitional forms which means we, we see we have a dog we see that we had uh, some other animal that kind of is claimed to have been a predecessor of the dog but there should be many creatures in between and there are none and this is for all the animals means there's these really cool charts of all these animals and they all these came from these and these came from those and those came from those but there's nothing in between okay that's a really big problem okay um the evolutionists respond okay so then some some people get angry when they hear these things uh so they, they start throwing things back um, so again we're just trying to obviously work together think what's what's uh, so um i just hear them out so um first of all similarity of organisms indicates a stepwise progression so i mean they see a lot of parallel things let's say in the fossil record or in dna sequences right did you know that your DNA and that of a pig are very, very similar, right? 99% similar, right? So you come from a pig, right? So that is, uh, that's the claim. We're seeing parallel structures, okay? So I the obvious observation is parallel does not indicate progression. It doesn't mean that the one moved to the other. It could be that they are made by similar machinery. Okay, uh, and then, and and the other is that even if there was progression, it progression does not mean random. For example, there's a cool article I saw recently: the evolution of computer languages. So, clearly, so you see that computer languages randomly evolve from. This one to that one, and I can even show you the parallels. They all do kind of similar things, <laughs> right? But as you know, there's no, they do similar things. Because Human beings are using them to talk to the same robots, the same machines that are, you know, they're making stuff, right? And it's a, and yes, we've gone through from this level to this level to that level, but it doesn't mean it's random, yeah? And not necessarily was it even that you took one of them and you. Enhanced it to the other one. You probably made it from scratch
1: oh, But in large they are random What's that?
0: In large they are pretty random
1: In large who is pretty uh, random? I, as, I, as, I understand, uh, as far as I understand the mechanisms of the there are plenty of people who work uh, creating new codes, etc. And some of them can make uh, essentially random choices They can uh, use various ways to solve um, some
0: problem. But wouldn't you expect that humans have some sort of a Processing that would make it that if you looked for patterns.
1: No, but the different
0: logic functions. that we use, right? But, but if you just you go one stuff level stuff deeper, stuff, then uh, then seemingly they would be yeah, similar.
1: They can be uh, uh, like with that, uh, in they, uh, come
0: to, uh, Oh yeah. Uh, Perfect. Way. Okay. Sorry. So uh, uh, I also didn't buy this whole evolution of computer languages thing. I, it's just, uh, it's just uh, I think it's just they were using that as a, as a term, right? But you get the point, right? That um, we assuming that they are all uh, parallel. Assuming that they are similar. It doesn't mean that it was random, it doesn't even mean that the one evolved to the other. Okay? It just means that the people that were making them or that the thing that they were being designed for call for certain features. <coughs> Understand? Okay, so that's one, that's what the one thing. The other thing, and this is some really cool examples over here, is the imperfect creatures, meaning evolution, uh, says that, you know, being that this is an unguided system, right, so you're going to develop certain, certain machinery, and then some of that machinery might be, you know, once you already have those things, then you might take a, another advantageous turn, but, you know, your route might look like this, as opposed to if you were doing a pre-planned thing, you know, you just make a beeline to where you are now, right? So, in, in other words, vestigial organs and, and all those types of things uh, are basically totally expected in, in evolution. Totally expected. Um, and, and step number one, the, uh, we're going to raise, raise a couple of interesting um, imperfect creature um, things that we have right now, and that's, gonna, that's being brought as a support for evolution. Uh, frankly, I think step number one is the exception proves the rule. Is the fact that there's like a few examples of um, some of these "quote unquote" vestigial organs is a shock, is because evolution-designed creatures should be chock full of uh, these things, of vestigial organs, full of them. There's a, the system is blind, right? So, just as long as you get a little advantage over the other guys. Right? So, and nobody's ever going back and like erasing everything and cleaning everything up and saying, oh, you know what, actually, since we used to have this system, then afterwards we upgraded to this system, oh, we don't no longer need that first system. Erasing advantages. What's that? You don't have to spend resources on maintaining your wings that you don't need or whatever. So, so, you, should, so, you, should, so you should. You should go back and erase the It's very hard to do. If you're doing random, if you're doing random, if you're doing so, random, so if you're doing random, if you're doing random, if you're doing random, if you're doing random, and they came and and when they no longer needed they'll randomly the spirit. I mean, if you subscribe and they randomly appear. No, because, no, because if your system is built on, again. But to have them and not use You're them. thinking of, a br- of an entire system that's not used. Right. But let's say, again, if I, I'm, I'm currently at point C. I used to be at point A. Yeah. Point A wasn't so great. We evolved to point B. It was better. Then point C was better still, but and it's building and it's it's altering the machinery, right? But ideally it would have been to go straight from point A to point C, you could design a much better machinery, but the problem is that there would have been a whole bunch of steps in between that would not have been advantageous, that you couldn't get to where you're trying to get to with advantages, right? It has to always be advantage. So instead you went this way and that way, so now you're at a decent spot, but it kind of looks weird, right? So one example is they're gonna give, is they're gonna say, you know, the hole in the eye, right? Why in the world would you have a hole in the middle of your eye? No, no, no not, not the pupil. The hole in the back of your eye, okay? they call the optic nerve, okay? The optic nerve is a really big problem. It creates a blind spot. Right? Now, if, if you des- the reason why is because actually the neurons um, are in the front of the retina, and then they all have to kind of dive in to into the middle of the eye, and that's the optic nerve, so you have, you have a blind spot in your retina. Okay? So hole in the eye, that's, we have a great eye, functions really well, but it would have been better if you were designing it up front to put the neurons in the back, and then you don't have to have a hole in your eye, okay? But who could have predicted that back when the eye was developing? That's that's what they say, okay? The point is you usually expect to find these things everywhere. And you don't, there's like a handful of them, okay? So another one favorite is um, the python pelvis. Okay, pythons have a pelvis. Why in the world would a snake need a pelvis? Right? And the next one is, there's certain moles and other creatures that live in the ground, they are totally blind, but they still have eyes. Why in the world would you have eyes? The answer is because at some point, a long time ago, they had eyes, then they went into the ground, they started doing stuff. They no longer need the eyes, but they still have the eyes. Okay? They're carrying them around. Um, so, say so again, number one we said, the exception proves the rule. Number two is this question violates Newton's statement to his fellows. Physics, beware of metaphysics. I mean, if you're comparing two scientific theories, and you're saying, well, why in the world, according to your theory, why would you have such a thing? That's okay. But when you're saying, when, when you're trying to guess the mind of, of a supernatural, well, why would this be? Why, I, I mean, I don't know. Do, do you know why God does other things? Right? It's, it's, it, it, that's that's not that's uh, not, it's not a kasha. Why would this be? Okay, uh, there could, could be a thousand reasons, um, just to entertain the question. not that it has to be the right answer. But why in the world would moles have eyes if, if they don't, if they don't see? Why would God create it like that? So perhaps Hashem works with a fixed toolbox that has in it ten sections that. Everything is made of, and eyes are one of those. If everything comes from a certain spiritual blueprint, it's not schwer why everything is, even when it comes out here, so just those things are going to be downplayed, the eyes. But they still come from a place that has to allude to eyes. It's a a philosophical mistake, the question. That's number one. Um, As far as the Python's pelvis, we refer our questionnaire to Genesis chapter 3, verse 14. Anybody know what it says over there?
1: Probably that the, the snakes began to crawl on their bellies where before they had stood up.
0: Yeah, where God curses the snake and says, from now on, you're going to crawl, right? So, yes, <laughs> you, got a, you got a proper amputation, right? It's a, So, again, I'm I mean showing this as a good example, right, is... They are. Like, why would why would a python need a pelvis? He doesn't have legs. Why would he need a pelvis? Wait, and that's the exception in which to show that things are. So they want to claim it's a vestigial organ, right? Because because if, if God was designing everything, why would He give Why would He give a python a pelvis? <laughs> he had a reason why He gave a python a pelvis. Because once upon a time he did a bad thing, so he got his legs cut off. The
1: question why is not uh, it's not uh, seems to be a moral question. Question of what's the mechanism of this happens? No, not the me- mechanism?
0: God did it. That's not, that's not a question. The question is not a mechanism. The question is, that it seems to be purposeless. So he's saying, if it's evolution, we're okay with purposeless. But if it's, it's a purposeful, why would some of those things be purposeless? And so you think it's purposeless because you don't know what it's doing.
1: I think uh, the assumption is that uh, it used to have a purpose, but the, uh, the, the way of living of this animal. Changing.
0: No, that's what again. It's two yeah. different things. They're comparing their propos- their hypothesis, to our hypothesis, right? Or to our knowledge, I should say. Their hypothesis is they came about randomly, and therefore you would expect to see tons of vestigial organisms, or not well, not well-designed ones, as we discussed and earlier.
1: Those which used to be useful. That's right.
0: And all of them again. When you're, when you're trying to randomly get to a good spot and you're trying to jump around on um, like advantageous spots, right, you're gonna come out with really clumsy machinery. As opposed to uh, that, should be, that should be the rule, not the exception.
1: Okay.
0: Now, but they're turning back around. They're saying, but you guys that you believe in design, everything should be perfect. There shouldn't be anything that has vestigial organs, there shouldn't be anything that seems to be clumsy. We're perfectly accepted clumsy. We love clumsy. We wish we could find more clumsy structures. It would be more support for evolution. But you, the creationists, why, could you, would there be anything that is not perfectly designed? The answer is you have to know what the design is. You're asking a question based on the Hanukkah that everything is there because of, because of function. Whether it be with the snake, whether it be with the eye, Etc. So it's a uh, philosophical mistake. Okay, um, there are some holdouts. Again, like we said before, um, it, you know, if uh, we are going to see Beis an example, I thought we would see it tonight, but uh, apparently it takes longer to deal with evolution than I thought. Um, I was planning to talk about the age of the universe and uh, things like that. So there we will see. Science having actually a pretty robust system that they're going to be able to propose, okay? Here, uh, we said before, if, there's, if uh, science is addressing something that we know prophetically work differently, then there's going to be one of two things. Either they're going to hit a brick wall, they're just not going to be able to come up with a theory, which again, is basically, I think we saw another one just now, uh, or they'll come up with a really good theory, or theory that works. it just happens to be not true. And that's, we're going to see examples of that next time. Um, so again, we said already before that the, all the, the basic building blocks for life themselves are, there's no real, even a theory of how life would start, as we said that uh, two sessions ago. Uh, and now today we discussed that even once you have a simple cell, For that simple cell to speciate, to to become so much more complex, to come with all these organ systems that we have that are so complex, it has to do it through incremental, uh, advantageous, tiny steps, and that seems to be uh, basically impossible. Okay, any questions?
1: Is there any problem with saying that speciation by successive uh, genetic mutations was God's mechanism for creating multiple of the, the species that we see in the world, and the, that the objective of what we observe of I mean, I, I'm assuming that the evolutionists have proof that they observe the species mutated over time and the new species are created, et cetera.
0: So again, it, it, once once you start saying guided, what happens is you get around the problem of what are the what's the chances this is going to happen. Right again. The problem is that we're having is I need a thousand st- random mutations to get to the first advantage. Right. So the chances of getting one thousand random mutations a successive organism is none. Right. So, so I, mean, I was asking, well, what if God went and just coded, you know, an entire uh, gene? Okay. Um, Put that in, so then now you have a new, now you have a new protein being made okay so and that would also explain the lack of, of a of these um, of of, of, of uh, transitional forms in the fossil record right because the answer is there is none. there was a Cambrian explosion, right the explosion means it just went very quickly, just changing, changing, changing changing because you know. Computer languages, they change very quickly because we just tell the guys, hey, guys, I need a new language by next week. And
1: that's another that joke. So, uh,
0: so uh, if, uh, don't take my word for it. This is literally like world experts you can you can google it and read the full article if you want no
1: they're a
0: fact right so i think the point is that they understand the facts you don't it means to say that there are steady creatures the, the 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 ones that are the ones that we, that we that we know but there's really big moves from this one to that yes to your naked eye it looks like this one looks like a dinosaur and this looks like a bird So, you see, the dinosaur went became a bird, right? But when you understand that there's like, again, a thousand steps that needed to change. We expect to find some that have some aspects of this one, but not of that one. I mean, some of this one and some of that one, right? But there's somewhere in between, and we don't have those.
1: You you expect to find, like, uh, a continuous kind of change. Correct. But the, the, the number of fossils is large, but it's still very... It's very discreet, like it's not like that. No,
0: but but the fossils, there's many fossils yeah. of, of certain creatures, yeah. but there's none there a few is, steps is, before is, them and there's, and there's not, not a few steps clear after transition between
1: them. them. What? There's not.
0: There's a clear leaps. Yes, I am. I'm, I'm giving you, I'm, I'm going to send you the article right now. Um, and anyone else, I'll post the... Link in the Zoom, um, in the Zoom, uh, what's it called? Window.
1: But they have found a clear transitions with turtles with, like, there's lizards with wider, wider roots, and then as time progresses, the roots get wider and wider and wider and wider, and then it becomes the shots. so they have found a transition how the question becomes. Is it t- was a turtle still a turtle, or did it come something? see recording. <laughs>